All right. I rarely start by diving straight into a Bible verse. Usually I like to set it up a little bit, but this morning I'm actually just going to dive right into a verse. Check out what John chapter number 10, verse number 20 says. It says, when Jesus said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon possessed and out of his mind. Why would anyone listen to a man like that? All right. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking through this series called Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And the point is that in our world, a lot of people think about Jesus and they're like, yeah, I like that Jesus guy. They're not Christians, but they're like, he seemed like he would be a pretty cool dude. You know, he'd be chill. I'd hang out with him. I like some of the stuff he said. And what I've challenged you guys is to read through all the words of Jesus because Jesus wasn't always chill. There are times where Jesus says some things that are pretty blunt, pretty strict, things that will even make us quite uncomfortable as his followers in the 21st century. And guess what? Today, this morning, we're going to be talking about what I think is arguably the most controversial thing that Jesus ever said. Like, I think you need to prepare yourself for the words we're about to read. Um, if you're not a Christian, Jesus did say some chill things, and then he said stuff like this. If you are a Christian and you brought your friend, I'm sorry. No, I'm just kidding. I'm glad you brought your friend today. But look, I'm just going to tell you guys up front that the words of Christ today are going to challenge you, and they're going to challenge me. They challenge our culture at large. In fact, I was kicking myself this week because I just got back from a two-week European vacation, you guys. I've never done anything like this in my life, and it was so chill, so amazing. I loved it so much. And then I got back to my office, and I was like, why did I schedule this particular topic the week I get back from a vacation? That was poor planning on my part, you guys. But here's the deal. If Jesus' words are true, and I think they are, regardless of the fact that they're controversial, if they are true, they are some of the most important words that Christ ever spoke. And the words that we're going to read today are key to your relationship with God. So we can't just ignore them because they make us uncomfortable. We can't just read right past them or, you know, not talk about them simply because it's contrary to what our culture believes today. So what was it that Jesus said? What could he have possibly said that would lead me to this long introduction that would cause people in John chapter number 10 to say he's a demon-possessed lunatic? What could he have possibly said? We're going to read those words, but first I want to talk to you about the movie Talladega Nights. Did you get whiplash from that transition? I know that was weird, but I want to talk to you about the movie Talladega Nights. If you've never seen it, you probably shouldn't because it's not a great, you know, it's not the best Christian movie in the world, but it tells a story of a guy named Ricky Bobby. He's played by the actor Will Ferrell. And at one point in the movie, he's a race car driver and he's on the track and he's going around the turns at, at Talladega and uh, he, he has a car crash and he thinks he's on fire. He's not, but you know, I mean, he's like gone crazy a bit from the accident. And so he jumps out of his car and he's running down the track screaming prayers because he thinks he's on fire. But the prayers that he screams are this, help me Jesus! Help me, Jewish God. He doesn't even know the Jewish God's name. Help me, Allah. Help me, Tom Cruise. In the movie, he says, Tom Cruise, use your witchcraft on me. And then he says, Oprah, save me. Why do I mention that? Okay, because 
Ricky Bobby, illustrates what most people in our world today believe. And that is, when it comes to God, it's best to hedge your bets. It's best that you don't just choose one God and go all in with him, but maybe you should kind of just go in a little bit with every God just in case, right? Um, we we kind of have this idea in our culture, <clears throat> excuse me, we have this idea in our culture that every religion is partly true, but no religion is totally true, right? You've heard that before. I certainly have. And so the idea is if I choose one follow uh, one faith system to follow one God only. What if I choose wrong? Or what if there are parts of what they believe are wrong and I exclude others who are right? Our world believes that basically all religions are generally equal. They're kind of all the same. They're on the same footing with one another. And our culture today tells us that every worldview is equally valid right? The only worldview that would be invalid in the 21st century is the worldview that says some worldviews are invalid. You just can't say anybody else is wrong. That's kind of the big commandment in the 21st century culture. We call this pluralism, the idea that every single worldview, philosophy, and belief system at least has part of the truth, and no religious system or worldview has all of the truth. You with me so far? Okay, I realize that using this silly movie is probably not the best way to prove my point. So let me give you some more thoughtful um, evidence that this is what our world believes. I'm gonna put three quotes here on the screen for you. The first one is by a a well-known Jewish rabbi. And this particular uh, Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Botique, he says, I am absolutely against any religion that says one faith is superior to another. He says, I don't see how that's any different than spiritual racism. You see how what he's saying aligns with what I mentioned a moment ago. We can't say that one worldview, one faith, one religion is any better than any others. A well-known name, Mahatma Gandhi, he said, my position is that all religions are fundamentally equal. They all basically teach the same thing and they'll all basically lead to the same place. Then the eminent theologian, Oprah Winfrey. She said, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe that there is only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths that lead to God. Have you guys ever heard this general sentiment before? Of course you have. You've heard it in your workplace. You've heard it at your universities. Maybe you even hear it around your dinner table. The idea that every religion is basically equal. They all teach the same thing. They're all into the same place. And we should accept and embrace the little bit of truth that we can find in all of them. That's a particularly Canadian philosophy as well, isn't it? I mean, in our culture, we are so multicultural. We are so diverse that we want to embrace absolutely everyone and anything that they would say. Honestly, in a society where Christians and Jews and Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and atheists and Jedis all live next door to each other, it feels particularly un-Canadian to say that anybody's worldview or anybody's religion is wrong. In fact, there was a poll that was done. This blew my mind. There was a poll that was done in North America. And they surveyed millennials. Sorry to pick on millennials. They surveyed millennials who self-identified as Christians. 
okay? Christian millennials. And according to the results of this survey done by the Barner Research Group, more than half of all Christian millennials believe it is morally wrong to evangelize people of other faiths. It is morally wrong to tell somebody they're wrong and to try to change their mind. Let me give you a truth about our world, and this might surprise you a little bit. I think a lot of people have the wrong idea about the world we live in. The truth is we do not live in an atheistic culture that assumes all religions are false. Instead, we live in a pluralistic culture that assumes all religions are true. That's the world that you and I live in. In 21st century Canada, the baseline assumption is that all religions are equal, all philosophies and worldviews are valid, and we cannot say that anybody is incorrect. So in the middle of this cultural climate, this pluralistic society that we live in, Jesus' words in John chapter number 10 are going to offend some of you. They're shocking. Look at what he says. John chapter number 10, we'll start reading in verse 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheep pen rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, what the heck is he even talking about? You're in good company. Because if you drop down to verse number six, the Bible says, those who heard Jesus use this illustration did not understand what he meant. Okay? So if you were confused by what Jesus just said, it's okay. So <clears throat> Jesus explained what he meant to them. And he says here in John chapter number 10, verse seven, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and they will find good pasture. And then he says in John 10, 10, a verse that should be familiar to those of you guys who are around connect a good bit. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give life overflowing, life in abundance, life that never stops, life in the fullest sense that anybody could ever imagine. And then we drop down to verse number 19 and we read the verse that we read a moment ago. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon possessed and out of his mind. Why would anyone listen to a man like that? And quite frankly, there are probably some of you who are here today and you're thinking to yourself, if that's the Jesus you guys believe in, you're all nuts and I don't want anything to do with this. I understand that. That was my first reaction when I read these words many years ago. But others said, <clears throat> this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? We're going to come back to that verse in a minute. So in this teaching, Jesus gives us a metaphor. And in this metaphor, he says a relationship with God is a lot like a sheep pen, like a pasture that has a fence 
And the sheep who represent people, me and you, we go in and out of the sheep pen. And when we're in the sheep pen, we find comfort, we find food, we find water, we find care, we find community with one another. And he says to people who are farmers, he says a relationship with God is a lot like a sheep who is safe in the flock inside of a sheep pen. You with me so far? And at this point, most of our world would be okay with what Jesus said. If he just described a relationship with God like that and he left it alone, nearly everybody would say, yeah, I could get behind that. That's a pretty good way to describe it. In fact, the pluralists in our world, people who believe that all religions are basically the same, they would say, you know what? We could take that word picture you just painted, Jesus, and we could modify it the tiniest bit so that we say, yes, a relationship with God is like sheep who are safe in a sheep pen. And they would say, maybe there's a Christian gate to this sheep pen over here, and then there's an Islam gate over here, and then there's a humanist or a secular gate over here, and maybe there's a new age gate over here. And the idea is there are a bunch of ways to get into the sheep pen. You can go through any gate you want because in the end, they all get you inside of the sheep pen. Most of our world would be totally okay if Jesus told that kind of parable, but he doesn't. He pulls the pin and he throws a grenade and he says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I am the gate. There is only one and I am it, its name is Jesus. There are not many paths that lead to God. Instead, there is one. In fact, he continues this metaphor, and he says, trying to get to God through any other way, any other philosophy, any other worldview, any other belief system, he said, it's like somebody trying to climb the walls of a sheep pen and sneak in without being noticed. In the end, it's not going to work. So a few days after he gives this illustration of sheep in a pen and there only being one gate, one way in and out, he he is teaching again and Jesus puts things even more plainly. In John chapter number 14, verse six, one of his most famous teachings, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And then Jesus says something that honestly should offend you. He says, no one can come to God except through me. So we need to be incredibly clear here. Jesus himself claims that there is only one path to God and he is it. There is no other gate. There's no other path. There is no other way to get to the true God and a relationship with him except through Jesus. So according to Christ, Judaism won't get you there. Islam won't get you there. New age meditation will not land you in a relationship with God. Buddhism, secularism, it might be okay. It might help you in some way during life, but in the end, it will not lead to the singular gate that will get you to God. 
Now, this is not just like me. I'm like some hardcore American preacher, and I'm like, yeah, Jesus meant everybody else is going to hell. That's not it. Because if you read through the New Testament, you know what you find? You find that all of Jesus' earliest followers understood exactly what he meant here. In the book of Acts, chapter number four, Peter, who was one of the original 12 apostles, he was Jesus' main guy. And Peter, in a sermon, says, God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. So I spoke to you a moment ago about the pluralism of our culture. The New Testament teaches something different called the exclusivity of Christ, that there is not a bunch of different ways that'll get you to God. There is a way that will lead you into a relationship with him. Now, you can probably guess this claim of Christ's is a big problem in 21st century Canada. It's harsh. And we want to we be polite. We want to include. We want to say, ah, it's okay. You'll get, don't worry about it. It's okay. You're all sincere. Everything, you, we'll all end up in the same way. We want to accept that as true. However, if we take Christ's words seriously, then we have to ask, is it all really true? Are there many ways that will lead to a relationship with God? Before we examine that, I want to tell you guys what Jesus is not saying here. This is so important you understand this. Jesus is not saying that followers of other worldviews, philosophies, or religions are bad people. He is not saying that at all. In fact, there are lots of Buddhists that are better people than Christians. There are lots of atheists who live more moral lives even than I do. So Jesus is not saying, I'm not saying, the New Testament is not saying that if you don't follow Jesus, then you are a bad person. That is not at all what Jesus is saying here. He's also not saying that anybody who disagrees with him should not be allowed to have their own viewpoint or belief system. He's not saying as Christians, we need to make it illegal for anybody to believe anything that's not in the Bible. He's not saying, hey, Christians, go find a sword and fight a holy war to shut those pagans up. Mm -mm. We tried that once and it was really bad. That's not what Jesus means. In fact, I believe that Christians should fight for the rights of every single person on the planet to believe what they want to believe. They should have freedom of speech. They should have freedom of religion. For goodness sake, if God is willing to let them believe whatever they want to, we should be willing to let them believe whatever they want to as well, okay? So Jesus is not saying you've got to nip this in the bud. You've got to push these people away. He's also not saying that you cannot respect and be friends with people who disagree with you. Jesus specifically tells his followers to go build relationships with the rest of the world. We're not supposed to say, you believe there are many gods? I can't have lunch with you. No, we're all humans. We're all trying to figure this out to a certain extent. And so Jesus is not saying separate yourself and have nothing to do with people who believe differently than you. And finally, Jesus is not saying that because these people are wrong, or he claims they're wrong, that our evangelistic approach should be to go to people and say, turn or burn. You're going to hell for what you believe. (laughs) Jesus didn't even use the turn or burn approach. So we shouldn't either, okay? So there are all these caveats and I want you to understand, not bad people, shouldn't, we shouldn't silence them, we shouldn't separate ourselves from them, okay? 
And yet, even with all of those caveats, I just have to tell you guys, I struggle with these words of Jesus. Like, you guys, I'm a pastor. I've told you before, I have degrees in the Bible. I am all in on Jesus. I joke that I am a professional Christian. I get paid to do this, okay? And here's the deal. I read these and I go, oh, wouldn't it be better if those verses just weren't in there? Like, wouldn't it be better if Jesus had never said these things? Wouldn't it be better if he said, guys, I am a way to the truth and the life you seek. I am a way. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great if Jesus said to us, wouldn't it make us feel better if Jesus said, there are a lot of different gates around the sheep pen, boys and girls, and it doesn't really matter which one you come in through. The point is eventually you get here. Wouldn't that be great? It would make us feel so much better. But you know what? I'm not sure that it would. In fact, here's what I think. The only reason we feel better about an inclusive message that all religions are the same, they all lead to the same place. The only reason we feel good when we hear that is because we have never critically evaluated that idea, okay? We cannot evaluate truth merely by how it makes us feel, okay? So like, I get it, I'm with you. Those of you guys that are upset and you don't want this to be in the Bible and you're wishing I hadn't taught on this verse today, me too, me too. But Jesus reminds us we cannot evaluate truth merely by how it makes us feel. There are lots of things that are true that don't make us feel good. It doesn't make us feel good to eat a healthy diet. And yet we know that salad is good for us. And so we eat it even if it isn't as tasty as a ribeye, right? We know it's best if we discipline our kids. They need it, but it never feels good to punish your child, does it? And yet it's exactly what's needed. Does anybody get really, do you get like warm fuzzies when you have to pay your insurance premiums? Are you like, oh, I'm so glad this bill is due. No, and yet we can all agree objectively that having insurance and paying the premiums is the safest way to live. And I could go on and on with examples, but in the end, just because something makes you feel good does not mean it's true. And just because something confronts or challenges you does not mean it's false. Okay, let's take this earlier statement that I gave you that our culture claims that all beliefs are valid as long as they are sincere and inclusive, okay? That's basically what our culture teaches. That's what the school systems teach. That's what philosophy says. It's what pop culture teaches us. Our culture claims that all religions or belief systems are valid as long as they are sincere and inclusive. But here's the deal. If you think through the logic of that statement, almost none of it holds up. There are problems with basically every part of that statement. So let's talk about sincerity for a moment. Because our world is like, Daniel, how dare you say that those people could be wrong? Do you, they're so sincere. They, they go to their temple or they worship and they give their life in service of a greater good. How dare you say that these sincere people could be wrong? But can we at least acknowledge the fact that just because someone has a sincerely held belief does not mean that sincerely held belief is true. Hello, flat earthers. Okay, there are people in our world that believe the earth is shaped like a dinner plate. 
And they're sincere. Some of them are just screwing with you on the internet, okay? But there are some that genuinely believe it. And just because they're sincere in their belief doesn't mean that the earth is actually shaped like a disc. You can be sincere and still believe the wrong things. It's one of the points Jesus is making. It's one of the problems with the idea that as long as somebody's sincere, then we should just let them believe whatever they want to or never claim that what they believe might not be true. Let's also consider the idea that um, one of our big values in our culture is inclusivity. That as long as like this group is willing to welcome this group, then hey, let's just all get along, okay? The problem with that is that although inclusivity is a good thing, like I, again, I believe everybody should be able to believe what they want to believe. Like we should welcome one another. We shouldn't push anybody out. We shouldn't make any of that illegal, okay? Um, as long as inclusivity means respect and care for everyone, then I'm fully on board with that. But inclusivity cannot mean that we are not allowed to disagree with other people's beliefs. That does not make any sense at all. That can't be the definition of inclusivity in our world. In fact, if you really think about it, the argument for total inclusivity, the idea that every religion basically believes the same thing, they're all true and, and whatnot, it is logically incoherent. It does not make any sense if you think about it. For example, if I say, and people in our world say, every worldview is valid, okay? Everybody, whatever you believe, every worldview is valid. Can we go back one? Thanks. Um, every worldview is valid. By definition, you are excluding any worldview that says, no, some are valid and some are invalid, or one is valid and one is not. Do you follow? If you start drawing lines and you say, no, 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 every religion is true, what do you do with a religion that says not every religion is true? In attempting to be inclusive, by definition, we exclude certain groups and beliefs and thought systems. It's amazing to me that our world would say, you Christians are so wrong for telling people that they're wrong. Am I the only one that sees the contradiction in that? Either you can't tell anybody they're wrong, which means I can't be wrong, or you can, which means I can. You see, we have as one of our highest values something that can be totally dismantled with elementary critical thinking. We don't ever want to examine the beliefs that our culture gives us because it leads us to a place that we're a bit uncomfortable with. I wish that we could say, and Jesus would let us say, that every belief system will get you to God and everything is equally valid, but it's not. In fact, I'll just go ahead and challenge the notion that all belief systems are equally valid right off the top. I don't even think that you believe that. I don't think your pluralistic boss believes that. Did you know in the Old Testament, there was a religion that the people called the Ammonites had, and they worshiped a deity called Molech. And the way that they worshiped Molech was that they would sacrifice their children to him, and they would beat drums super loud so they could drown out the screams. Is that religion valid? Do you want that religion in your world? No. Okay. Let's get a little more modern. Our Hindu brothers and sisters for thousands of years have had a caste system that deems certain people untouchable. 
They're not even worthy of basic charity and generosity simply by the family that they were born into. Is that a valid, acceptable worldview that we should promote? Probably not. There are Christians who are bigots and they use political power to justify their racism and their greed. Is that a valid worldview or religious system? No. Okay. But here's the deal. If we're pluralistic, if we're inclusive, if everything is basically all the same, by what right would any of us say, no, we don't want those kind of religions in our world? Isn't it because we all know that deep down inside, not every worldview is the same? Not every one of them is of equal value. There are some that better fit with the evidence we have. There are some that are more loving and kind and generous. There are some that we want and some that we would say our world might be better off without. I'm going to wrap up by talking about our Hindu friends for just a moment, not in a bad way. They have a parable that has been used by our world to explain the idea that basically all religions are the same. It's called the story of the four blind men and an elephant. Anybody familiar with it? Yeah, a few of you guys are. Okay, I've heard this many times. The idea is there are four blind men and they hear about this mythical creature they have never had any experience with. Some beast called an elephant. And they decide they're going to use the limited senses they have, primarily touch because they're all blind, and they are going to go discover what an elephant is actually like. And so the story goes that one of the blind men goes and he grabs the elephant by the tusk and that's all he can touch. That's all he can sense. And he says, oh, I know what an elephant is like. This is long and sharp like a spear. And so it's like a spear. But then the second guy comes along and he grabs the elephant by the ear and he says, no, it's not like a spear at all. This is thin and flat and wide like a fan. And then another guy comes along and he touches the leg of the elephant and he says, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Clearly the elephant is like a tree. It is big and it's round. And the last guy comes along and he grabs the tail of the elephant and he says, look, you guys are outside of your brains because based on what I see and experience or touch and experience, this is a snake. An elephant is a giant snake. And Hindus and pluralists in our world today, they'll use this story. And the idea is, look, basically, we all have a small picture of the larger truth, right? Christians have a little bit of truth. Our Hindu friends have a little bit of truth. Atheists have a little bit of truth, whatever it might be, okay? And the idea is we should all just be humble and we should accept as equally valid what everyone has to say about what God is. And I'll tell you, I agree with that in general. I actually do. I think every person on the planet, including me and including you, we're just blind. We're feeling around. We're trying to make sense out of the world from our limited perspective and without the resources we should have. And maybe it's true that as a, a Christian, even though I'm a little blind, I'm trying to describe God like love and he's singular, there's only one. And then there's a Hindu who's saying, no, 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 based on what I can experience, God is many and he's just, and there's karma and dharma in the world. And we're all just doing the best we can. But here's the deal. Rather than proving this pluralistic and inclusive worldview, this story, it's not in the Bible, this is a Hindu story, it actually proves what Jesus is saying about himself in John chapter number 10. Here's why. The only way, we'll go back one, the only way this story makes any sense at all is if you already know what an elephant is. 
If you didn't know what an elephant was, this story would not be helpful to you. I can explain. Imagine there are four blind men and they've heard about a mythical beast called a horgort. And they wanna know what a horgort is like. And so they go to the horgort and one of the blind men puts his hand on the horgort. And he says, wow, the horgort is soft like a sheep. And the second one says, no, no, based on what I'm touching, the horgort, it's like ticking like a watch. And the other one says, no, no, the horgort is cool like a river. It's like wet. And the other one says, when I touch a horgort, it's rough like a concrete wall. So let me ask you, what is a horgort? You don't know, cause I made it up. Is it an animal? Is it a plant? Is it a machine? Based on the description I gave you, you have no idea. The only way that story makes any sense at all is if there is someone who can see the total picture. If there is someone who has their eyes opened when the blind men do not. And this is exactly what's going on here in the story of the elephant. The only way it makes any sense is if there is someone who has seen an elephant. Can I tell you, Jesus is the one who sees what you and I cannot see. On our own, we are blind. We will come up with all sorts of ideas about God and what he is and what he isn't and what the ultimate nature of life and existence and purpose is. We'll come up with contradictory ideas and there's no way we can know who's right. But if there is someone who has his eyes open in a way that none of us do, he can paint a picture for us about what God is really like that is not limited the way that we are. Hey, even better, what if there was a guy who could come along and not just say, hey, four blind men, let me explain to you what an elephant looks like in the hole. What if there was someone who could come by and open the eyes of each of the four blind men so that they could see for themselves the full picture? Let me take you back to John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10, verse 19, Jesus has just concluded giving this very blunt, hard to swallow bitter pill. And when he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said he's demon possessed and he's out of his mind. Why would anybody listen to him? But others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. And can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I'm blind you're blind, left on our own, we will never have a clear picture of what God is. And if that's the case, we might as well say that every belief system is equally the same. And maybe everyone will lead to the same place eventually, as long as they're sincere and as long as they're inclusive. But Jesus came to open our eyes and to show us who God is really like. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. In John 10, 10, this is our theme verse. This is what we live by as a church. He says, yes, I am the gate. And and those who come through me will be saved. My purpose is to give life overflowing. My job is to open eyes so you can understand there is a God and he loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants to do something miraculous and healing in your life, but you've got to trust that you've only had the tiniest part of the picture up to this point. Now I get it. There are those of you that want to go back to that picture where the sheep were outside of the pen and they were trying to get in the gates and Jesus said, there is no gate there. What about them? What about the sincere seek 
in my office? What about my atheist brother? What about any other belief system under the sun? I get that. And I know it sounds harsh for Jesus to say there's only one gate, but what if there is only one gate? If that's true, if there's a sheep head and there's only one gate, is the shepherd being mean when he goes around to the backside of the pen and he says, what are you guys doing over here? The gate's over here. Is he being mean? Is he being cruel? No, he's doing the best thing he can possibly do for those sheep to get them into the safety and the provision of the pen. The idea that somehow it's mean to say, this is the way is nuts because Jesus sees what we cannot see and he's made a way where we could never make a way for ourselves. And I just, gosh, I hope you understand this. His point is not to be exclusive. If Jesus wanted to be exclusive, he wouldn't have told us where the gate was. But he wants every single person on the planet to go through the one true gate. Now I know there are some of you, you're still questioning, you're doubting, you're unsure. And I get that. I want you to continue to wrestle through that thought. But I do want you to ask yourself this question. What if there is only one gate? What if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? And the reason he told me that is not because he hates everyone who doesn't come through this gate, but because he wants everyone, including me and you, to go through the gate that leads to life overflowing. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I wanna pray for you because I understand this is a message that is tough to hear. And yet some of you need to hear it. You need to accept Jesus. You've been hedging your bets for too long. You've been trying to trust in your own goodness or trying to trust in your family's religion. And Jesus is saying, guys, the gate is right here. I am the gate. And if you'll come to me, I will give you life overflowing. Jesus, I pray for each and every person. You know that, God, my desire is not to offend anyone, and yet I want people to hear the truth that you gave. And so today, God, I pray that you would open eyes in the same way that every blind person needs to see. You would give us a total and complete picture of God the Father, his love for us, and God, the way that we can have a true relationship with him. Help us to understand this by faith and by the power of your spirit. And God, we commit to follow you as you lead us. We pray this in your name. Amen.